Everybody, <clears throat> um, my name is Abhimanyu, and this is me, my my older brother, and this is a time for us to talk. What's going on? Sure. Tremors from the Heart podcast, which was what we started together. Yeah. Before, can you just let us know if the audio is working by giving us a heart or just some kind of signal so we know that you can hear us? Yay! Congratulations. Um, so, so anything that you wanted to talk about specifically? Oh, there's so many places that we could go. I, I'm not sure, honestly. I um. What about um? I guess something that sort of I'm 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 aware of or sort of thinking about is how um how to say this uh. How your spiritual practice prepares you for spiritual experience and how spiritual experience without spiritual practice sometimes can be very confronting mm. and very confusing mm. and, and, and it sends a lot of people into quite a tailspin. Yeah. They don't necessarily, you know how like, how even people will have a psychedelic experience that's a little bit too much for them to... Mm -hmm. To, to handle to handle in mm -hmm. terms of adjusting back into their ego self mm -hmm. right yeah. so the same there's a similar or a same experience sometimes when people have a spiritual experience either through meditation or mudra or something mm -hmm. and that witnessing is much for them to handle and your thoughts on that well, we've seen it, so we know that that's a phenomenon of people having experiences that they need to put down somehow, or they, they try to escape from the realities of what that meant for them. Yeah. Or just simply your mind breaks and you don't know how to live again knowing what you know. It's like Pandora's box opened. Now you can't go back to nine to five because that doesn't make any sense. But you just don't have something else to go to. Also, I think like what I've noticed as being one of the problems is if if you've had an experience that uh, allowed you to see a part, yeah, right. It's an impartial realization. It's a partial realization. Yeah, and. Uh, and you don't have necessarily a philosophical framework that goes 
that that, that you see go, that that fits into and you mm-hmm. go oh there mm-hmm. we go I see where that's going right you can be left hanging at places and you think like oh yeah I, I that's what it was and yeah, then yeah, yeah, yeah. and then so how we learned how my teacher taught me was firstly to read as much possible as possible to get an understanding of the sastra of the history of of the actual practice the theoretical framework of the practice and this is in regards to yoga and this is in regards to bhakti um which is a part of the bigger idea of you know tantra itself the the, the mechanism of understanding being the process of self-realization in total not just through some limited um framework but the total right so the first thing was you know the first thing is yama niyama yeah like the the required lifestyle that forms a foundation for what's supposed to come later right and right. In, and in mantra mantra in mantra yan or the path that uses mantras as the main vehicle for realization i don't know if you notice this but if you look at me directly make eye contact you can still experience the same thing yeah yeah okay that actually makes it easy for us to have have the the conversation and the viewer to interact with us i just discovered this um so mantra relies on a something of sadachar or honest honest behavior sadachara right Mm. and they say in all the texts basically that without that sadachar um very difficult to progress. have progress and also generally speaking what happens is without sadachar then experience only engrandizes ego yes. it's like the ego has to accommodate the new experience and if the new experience is quite elevated then then you have a new elevated ego right so i think the importance on which you opened that was on the importance of preparing like the physical body preparing the emotional and intellectual capacity to handle yeah like the uh, two examples that i am thinking of at the moment that are are two individuals who were confronted with the way they realized it at the time their non-existence mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and in the moment of actually being in in the realization they were blissful mm-hmm. and free mm-hmm. but then coming back into ego mm-hmm. both of those individuals were confronted with what the heck does that even mean right and they had very little framework. existential crisis it's a complete existential, the crisis. existential crisis of the ego which always wants to, to be to be it always wants to assert itself the ego always wants to be recognized to be uh, fed to be pampered to be pleased that's what the ego's doing and when you when you show that ego that it's not fundamentally real it's based on a lot of the magic that the mind performs. Yeah. And 
that can be really scary for some people. And for other people, that can be really liberating. And I think it has to do with humility. Okay. And I also think it has to do with sadhana. Well, I also like... There's a another part that the next bit I think is like the you would say the shraddha or the faith in Krishna. Mm -hmm. So when you experience Krishna as being real and more than real, then everything else in a sense, your self-importance is tied to his, mm -hmm. right? And uh, it's just a little bit less, I would think, I, a little bit less scary. I, I, what I, I think is like, I think that it can only be that you're dealing with a certain conditioning when you come out of that space. Um, I don't know if, you know, it's not that we have one experience of samadhi or one experience yeah. of self, but we actually gonna go through continual samadhi. Samadhi to the point where when we come out of samadhi, we're still in samadhi. Yeah. Because we don't get the mayak covering again and again and again and again. So kind of think about it like, you can think about it like if a person is their ego structure is very very brittle and and it's not it's very structured and it's very real to them yeah and you give them an experience which they go back to that conditioning once again yeah it's just a state of consciousness that they've attained it's not that they've yeah. changed the structure. the the structure of their material being um so they come back, and then those two are diametrically opposed, so they end up in a crisis. existential crisis. And also the uncomfortability of the ego trying to process. It's that, that so, and it can't, because so without it's not labeling, conditioned yet. Yeah, so without labeling that uh, good or bad or anything in those ter kind of terms. It's mechanical. What is the advice you give such a person? How do you, how do you help such a person in their crisis? You know, because this is an ego issue, I'm gonna I'm gonna just go to that story, Krishna. There's a story where this demon attacks Vrindavan, and nobody wants to bother Krishna with this demon thing. They're like, okay, we're gonna handle this demon. Right. So first, the cowboy boys one by one attempt to wrestle this demon and defeat this demon, and one by one they're defeated, and as they get defeated, this demon grows. Mm. Gradually, they get, like, perturbed. They're like, all right, Balaram's gonna deal with the demon. And then Balaram, even he, he's like, oh, he's so great demon. He defeated me. What can I say? So they finally, they call Krishna. And Krishna comes, and he doesn't fight. He just starts laughing. And as he's laughing, the cowboys boys are asking, oh, aren't you gonna fight this guy? You know, he's terrorizing us. He's made us all look bad, and you're just laughing at him. And the demon starts shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. As Krishna laughs, as Krishna laughs, the demon gets smaller and smaller and smaller. It's gone. And they all ask, who is this demon? And he said, his ego. That the more you give ego your attention, your 
the more you give ego, give in to ego, the more you try to escape ego or try to placate ego, whatever you're trying to do in your interaction with the ego, it only, if, so you just laugh at it. If someone feels I don't exist, you say, well, who, who doesn't exist? Because I'm sitting here talking to somebody. So what, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. And also that they've clearly misunderstood the experience. What didn't exist? Clear, like, there's no such thing as non-existence by definition. Mm. By definition, non-existence does not exist. So the whole, the whole losing our ego and realizing that we're not ego, we're consciousness. This is not non-existence. There's no such thing. It's the wrong, it's the wrong phrasing. Even in Buddhism, they use the term nairatma or anatma, no self, right? No self, no self. But what, what do they say you have? Maybe you don't have a self, but what do you have? Oh, then you have the Bodhi mind. You have, you have the Buddha nature. You have the eternal nature. You have the Vajra nature. Oh, okay, so I have something that I am. Yeah, but it has no essence. You're like, how to understand? It's empty of any kind of fixed structure. Structure, that's the nature of consciousness. It can be anything, and it manifests itself as anything. But it's nothing. It's consciousness. It's not a thing. It's a witness. And it's the fundamental structure or or substantial element that, that all other elements, all other aspects of being are made of. They're transformations of the energy, energies of consciousness. So... When people have the non-existent experience, they didn't have the non-existence. They witnessed the dissolution of elements, of everything they thought was them. But even when you read Sam Harris talk about his no-self experience, there he is experiencing no-self. What do you mean? It's not... It's not... um, The words aren't right, and that's where I think people get... Stuck. Yeah. I don't exist. What does exist mean? What does I mean? Who's like, the I that who, you say Yeah, what do you mean? It's like, clearly you're sitting here. It's like getting past the structures that people have built up in their philosophical inquiries. And you're reading, everyone's reading like Buddhism and, and Hinduism and mysticism and all these things that they all work together if you know what they're doing. But if you think of them as separate and different, they're all contradictory. Yeah. So, so there's like extra confusion. Then you have an experience. Then you have nothing to ground it in. And you're not doing sadhana, so your conditioning is actually still and messed it's coming, up. And it's coming back And it comes on. back. It comes back. It, it comes back. Yeah. yeah. So then people are confused. How come I'm still like this? I was like that. It's like, well, you still got karmas to work through. You still have life. Hmm. You're and, still... And, and that's where you're meant to be. Yeah, everything is as it is, and that's what it's supposed to be. You, you could prefer something else, but that's not gonna really. Yeah, I would say like from my my way of helping someone through that would be to put it down. Don't worry about it. Like you're breathing, your heart's beating. Be, just be. Move along. Just keep moving along. You don't have to, you don't have to, it is what it is. You don't have to sort it out any, you don't have to, you don't have to, it doesn't have to make sense to you. It doesn't have well, to. That's what ego is trying to do, right? Yeah. It's trying to solidify. Just, 
and understand an experience that it can't. So it's using, yeah, yeah. using whatever kind of framework you can to try to put it into a box and say this is what it was what or it is was, and this yeah. is what it means. When, you know, if you were to go back into the memory of that experience, you know, you know that one of the main things about it is that it's indescribable and, and that it can't be completely expressed. We even... At a certain point, we have to be able to somehow understand how Krishna can be Krishna, and at the same time, he's fully Narayan and he's fully Ram and he's fully Matya Kurma Varaha and he's fully, and then you know, and he's partially Shiva and then he's, you know, fully Maya and he's, yeah. you know, um, he's not one thing you say he is. He's all so of, no matter all of it, none of it. He's and, all of it, none of it. He's the balance. He's the remainder. He, he he's not a concept. He's a sum total person, personality. The sum total personality. All the archetypes are. He's the personality of reality. So he, even he, people try to limit. By defining him in a specific way. Oh, no, he only eats this kind of food. Oh, no, he only dresses this way. And it's like, well, actually, yeah. since he's everything and everyone, he's pretty much doing anything. Yeah. And so, um, <clears throat> it's the same when it comes to this this thing. Yeah, we could say put it down, but they're not going to. Their mm -hmm. ego's caught up. Sure. The The... the you have to be able to train a person to sit in the witness and laugh and, and actually stop taking their ego so seriously so and their seriously. mind so seriously. Mm. It's like, hey, see how that's you doing this to yourself? Yeah. And that's causing you stress. You see how you're trying to figure out something with your mind that you can't, that's like not possible. You, you know, like you show them, walk them through how the attempt to figure it out needs to be given up. And yeah. even that's, well, that's what I'm that's what I'm that's, essentially saying. Yeah. That, 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 that trying to figure it out with your what's going to really have to happen is you're going to have to see the next part. And so you just have to do the things which will enable you to witness the next part of that chain of realization. Yeah. It's like you've gotten to the door, mm. you almost opened it, you haven't really and and the only way that you're ever going to really understand it is if you open that door, you step inside, and you start looking at, oh, what's what's going on in this palace? Oh, this is, yeah. you know, this is. What can help you is some study. Study is really important. What can help you is some study in the in the, in the in, you know in the in the interim and in between study and practice can help you to kind of like oh, it's all about awareness. And if you don't yeah. have knowledge, you can't be aware of things. Yeah, and if you're not aware, then you're in fearful you, state. Yeah, so it's all about developing your understanding of yourself, developing your understanding of your faculties, developing understanding of history. Um, we still live in a society in the world today that is very deeply um, conditioned to doubt the existence of beings outside of the what we call normal human experience, this modern age. Um, that's that's 
that impact that has to do with the way we've been conditioned to see religions and spiritual traditions in general in the West. So very doubtful. There's competing religions. Nobody, everyone's been trying to assert their one as the real one in competition with other with ones. So else. the the spirit is competitive. If one is true, all the other ones are wrong. Whereas in a Sanatan Dharmic perspective, it's it's actually there is the one truth that's in the world. That is what we're all interacting with and interfacing with constantly. Yeah. There is reality. And traditions and religions have given us tools to get to a place where we can see that experience that and receive that or just know that yeah i think one of the and the, without actually having the set belief at the beginning that there is a truth to be realized hmm. then there's no direction nobody will there has to be that initial acceptance that okay i can i think there's a truth of life and i'm going to pursue it I think that the West has been fed a steady diet of confusion and relativism and essentially <clears throat> the the themes of Mayavad infecting most people's understanding of their spirituality. And I think that's another reason why this stuff is difficult for people and, and confronting when they go into these these places of experience and come back not really knowing how to orient again. Because there is no orienting principle in Mayavadi. Hmm. Like there's no north. How so? Because Brahman by definition in Mayavadism is non-existent. <laughs> has no energy. Yeah. Has no manifestation. Has no experience. Well, they, they say that. Yeah, well, the experience of Brahman has no experience. That's why Jiva Goswami doesn't even write about it. Well, he says it in the Paramahama Sandarbha in the beginning. He said we could start with a Sandarbha on Brahman, but we won't because it's indescribable. Now moving on, Paramatma. So, and then how you, if you take that theory and run with it in real life, you you can do stuff like communism, you can do stuff like fascism, you can do stuff like, you know, progressivism that is just confused and is, is trying to run through creating a utopia of some kind, but it doesn't even have a point to do that because there's no real value in that by their own definitions of, of values value. and hierarchies and all this stuff. So, so there's no where to go. And then when it comes to spirituality that is divorced of personalism, and by personalism you mean the, the actual engagement of a relationship with another. Yeah. What do you do after Nirvana... If there's no save after Nirvana, what do you do for forever? You're gonna keep existing forever. So like, if you don't get to that point of like, oh, now I realize the truth. Now I have to serve the truth. That's supposed to be the realization. If you're in an existential crisis after having realized the truth, first of all, you didn't fully. You, yeah. Your your state. You're you're almost there. You're getting there. You saw a glimpse from a distance, but when you do then you're going to be catapulted into now how do i serve this great yeah. truth how do i actually engage with this great truth because that's the natural conclusion of real self-realization you're going to be faced with forever yeah. so what are you going to do with it and i think a lot of people who are trained in in the western mindset are resentful of of what we call dasatva or servitude to god yeah Servitude is is uh, considered to be lesser than becoming God in the Western mind. 
you're your servant of God, you're less than God. But in our in our belief system, in our tradition, in our in our tantra, we say that even God becomes his devotee's servant because it's higher than being God. That God puts down the post of God to play servant because yeah. that's better. Um, it's a higher taste and it's a more complete vision of reality well, than especially if you, Bhagavan's, if you which is, place love at the pinnacle of experience. Right, if we're talking about eternity, what are we doing with our eternity? Yeah. You realize that of all experiences, in infinite, in all this experience, that love is the highest experience. That losing yourself in love mm. is the highest experience. Mm. The most worshipable, most elevated, most wonderful, most uh, rewarding experience. Right? Mm -hmm. That in love, the offering of love is the pinnacle of love. Yeah. Well, love is the giving of love. It's not. Yeah. It's in the giving. It's in the giving, and so Krishna. Uh, Krishna, he's also <clears throat> a servant of this love. Well, I mean, even in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, right? We we hold it that the rasa is the highest truth that divided yeah. itself into two to experience itself. So. I would even say by that definition, our highest absolute truth isn't Ishvara, or what we call in this world God, but it's actually something even higher than that. It's, you know, rasa. Yeah. It, it is experience, <laughs> taste, enjoyment, relish, bliss, and that's actually and what Ishra we're... Ishvara is the supreme enjoyer. Yeah, Ishvara is the... Well, Parameshvara is the supreme yeah, enjoyer. Ishvara is our... Yeah, you yeah. know, Ishvara is our plenty and they all think they're the enjoyer. But Parameshvara is enjoying all of that. Yeah. So... And then and, and Krishna is really not playing that game. Okay. Krishna is saying, Brahmaji, how can you say I'm your father? Narayan your father. I'm just me. And so Krishna is able to relish on a higher level the human human ideal of himself because actually this is an important thing Vedic Rishis have not anthropomorphized the truth there's only human beings in the structure of being because the original being is a human being hmm. consciousness comes to full potential as the human being and Krishna is the highest human being and his pastime as a human being is even higher than his pastime of being in the highest abode Hmm. it's where he becomes inconceivable everyone the yogis they say you know the yogis are meditating on Brahman in their hearts and they're able to perceive that great light with great great effort yeah and so many other kinds of, of worshippers are able to attain the darshan of the Lord by great great effort so much great effort but in Braj Coward women are trying to chastise and scold Krishna. He's playing around in Nandamaraj's court like nothing's happened. Like it's just everyone's happy. Yeah. Krishna's playing here. He's a little boy. Nobody's. Everyone's praying to Bhagavan. Oh, please protect our little child. Nobody's yeah. thinking about him as God. Yeah. In fact, the more you're thinking about Krishna as God, the less you're actually able to interact with him as he is. He's he's presenting you with his Aishwaryas because that by doing so, he gives you the opportunity to decide: Are you going to ask something from him or not? You know he's God, so you can ask for anything you want, and he'll give you anything you want. But a real bhakta wants, wants him. Yeah. So then they, they, they have to like put down the idea, put down the fact that he's God, and relate with him on a personal level. Yeah. And, and that 
without that, I think that anybody who has a spiritual realization will go mad. There's got to be something real and to engage with forever that you feel is worthwhile. Mm. And I think that, uh, I don't think that any of us really wants to be in, you know, the uh, Assassin's Creed liminal space for eternity. You know, I don't know if anybody out there has played this video game, but what's that, that thing called? The Animus? But essentially what happens in this game is you go into this machine called the Animus and it places the character into a vast, infinite, liminal space or in all directions is simply white light. And it's there that he enters into whatever scene he's going to go into next. And <clears throat> we can compare that liminal space to Brahman. Well, there's yeah. just pure consciousness from up to down to this. There is no direction because it's all just pure blazing consciousness, undifferentiated in any way whatsoever. And that's a state of being that Shanta, Shanta, Rasa, Shanta Rasa devotees of the lower stage like to go into on the regular. They like to go there, realize everything is Krishna, everything is Brahman, sweet, there's no quarrel, there's nothing to worry about. And then they come back and they try to teach from that platform or try to yeah. be in the world from that platform. Or they don't come back, they just stay there for however long it takes for another spontaneous bubble to emerge. Hmm. But that's, I don't think as a human being that's a rewarding, ultimately rewarding situation. I would, um, I would say two things in that regard. One is it seems more obvious that it's not, but I would also, uh, leave the door of inconceivable open, but it's even more inconceivable, which points me that it's more amazing that just being human with Krishna is more. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. With That's with, what I think. And I think it's I think more amazing that, to be a human being. It's more I'm, amazing to be in this lifetime however you are and find a relationship with Krishna as you are now rather than imagining some other place be in that relationship and hoping that one day you get there and not that you can't hope that you're going to get there too yeah, yeah i i i uh i think it opens the largest spectrum of possibilities and the deepest interaction potential with the world now and it gives rise to tremendous meaning in all of your activities. Mm. Um, and your spiritual practice. I'm, I really think in this age, if you're not going to Kirtan, you're going to have a hard time. No matter what sadhana you're doing, if you're not going to Kirtan, you're going to have a hard time. Because that's the only one that's actually like the legal dharma. 
everything else is dependent on non sankirtan being an adjunct to it. So I, I, I think that as long as a person is not engaged in kirtan, they're going to be susceptible. And also doing spiritual stuff without the right protection, without the right... Um, you're vulnerable. You're opening up things. You're you're open. You know you're engaged. Like for example, Shambhavi mudra or, or a lot of the yoga mudras and and different kinds of meditations and stuff that are subtle but not spiritual, right? Yeah. Well, those leave you sensitive and open to all kinds of from people or from subtle entities or from just the energies around you that are active. You know, planetary energies, whatever it is without a sadhana that actually is complete in that it's protective and that it's supportive and nourishing, then it's... And also just that Kali Yuga is literally... Nam Sankirtan is pretty much the only thing that's, like, fully empowered. Everything else is conditioned by that. Hmm. I... Calling out to God, full stop, seems obvious as the most powerful practice. You have to do it in Sangha because until you do it in Sangha, you're going to feel like an alien always. Even you're not going to fully integrate. Well, you're going to think you're self special because I'm, you're in private. What I'm, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm referring others, to, I'm giving, um, what I'm trying to give my, so it's a, I'm making a non sectarian statement. In that, I think there are, for example, Christian sanghas who are doing kirtan. And it's called sankirtan. Yeah, they're doing sankirtan. Yeah. So you know, when you you see when they do the zikr in the gospel, in, or there's when the zikrs in Islam yeah, and yeah, it's they come sankirtan. together and they're chanting. But it's the name better of God. in per in, 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 in group in community. Yeah. Yeah. You have more. You have more. It builds more faith. And it also helps you avoid some of the the potentials for madness because you're going to deal with other people that have dealt with that ahead of you. Well, a lot of the madness comes when people think that it's like only happening to them. To them. That's a big part of it. Like if you've had a spiritual awakening and you think that all the things going on with you are unique to you... You just need to reach out because there are a lot of people, especially the, uh, there's a lot of people that I know who have gone through uh, spiritual awakenings, kundalini awakenings, you know, post kundalini psychosis, all kinds of things that happen when we're trying to reorient to a very, very life altering, reality shattering experience. And these experiences can come through any medium, you know. Dreams, psychedelics, mantra, spontaneous like spontaneous occurrences. That's yeah. that's something that a lot of people don't know is that a lot some people spontaneously will have these kinds of experiences. And you know, we usually call that Shakti Pat, right? Yeah. Descent of grace, descent of Shakti. There's no just like in all kinds of um there's no one fix. Yeah, it's individual. It's very individual. And there's no one sadhana. But I do have a...
deeper sense about Nam Sankirtan um, that I trust in because I I felt myself that it's kept me safe from some of the things that I've seen around me. Even though I've been vulnerable to other things in my own way, there's like a certain deep end. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think that without Kirtan, without Sangha, I don't know that I would have been able to stay out of that. Sangha is absolutely important. Sangha is crucial. You need to be able to talk to people about what you go through. Yeah, and it needs to be people that you can trust, that people that that uh, you can talk to. That it's not there's no ego trips from either you or the person that you're you're not you're not having an ego trip expressing it to someone, and they're not going to have an ego trip when they hear it. So that means that there's some, you know, some trust that that these people have your, you know, your best interest at heart, and that they care about you, and that they, and that they, um, you know, don't have a vested interest. And they also have yeah that experiential experiential understanding of what you could be has could be going through. Yeah. It's a, it's a big one. Reorienting after a spiritual experience. I think we've talked about this multiple times because it is actually something that's really painful to see when you see somebody going through it. And there's not actually always so much you can do other than try to let them know that they're not the only one that that happens to. That there's actually like a normalcy to that it's sort of just like, oh, well, you know, if you had a bucket of water and you threw a bunch of rocks in, for some time there's going to be disturbance. Yeah. Right? So it's the other way around. What happens if you stopped the planet Earth completely? Well, the whole thing tries to keep going and there's chaos, right? So it's the same way when we go towards Samadhi. We're essentially bringing everything to a halt. Yeah. Time stops. Yeah. And... <clears throat> that that informs a lot about the way we see ourself like who we identify with right and then when we come back to our conditionings those don't match yep and so we can have this sort of uh either a god delusion yeah or a, a sense of not being ourselves yep or um uh, just grandiose or negative beliefs about our current new state this is the tic-tac that goes on. It's yeah. either you're high or you're low. And I think that yeah. the the trick is going to be in learning how to... Find your stable ground again. Find the stable ground. And I think that Balaram, Anantasesh, Nityananda, that's what I rely on. A better madman. <laughs> A much better madman. Jani Thai, Jani Thai, Jani Thai. If you just give up, like, the whole I'm doing it thing and you just start to pray and put your hands up and let them do things, yeah, they're going to do it. They're, they're going to take care, as long as you're sincere. But even then, you know, like, it, as long as it's Christian punishing you, it doesn't matter. Yeah. If you go, oh, well, it's you doing it. Okay, all right, I'll take it. That's what you think you need to do? Go for it, like. 
it's just whether or not people are getting to that point of the realization to see Krishna, to see the sweetness behind death itself. How do you get there? Is a deep, 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 deep thing, you know. It's essentially confrontation with Mahakala, with death itself. And it comes to a place where whole, you can see it. Whole, and the thing is, the, the whole experience that is, of seeing that, the whole, the whole, everything is about bringing you to a place where you let go of the construct of ego. That this is kind of like the. I described it like you know. I don't know if anyone's seen that. There's an old BBC, like David Attenborough, nature documentary where they film about how how the how the um, how they trap baboons, put salt in a gourd. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Right, it's, the baboons like salt, and so they put the salt in the gourd, and he can't get his hand out. He can't get his hand out because he won't put the salt down. That's how they capture him. And then they capture the monkey. Yeah. yeah. All he had to do was let go of the salt. And if you let go of the salt, he's free. The only thing trapping him is that he's holding this salt. Yeah. Well, so in I, a similar I, way in this allegory, the only thing trapping you up, holding you up, is that you're holding on to this ego. I'll give you another allegory for it. It's imagine if you spent, you're what, 36? 38. 38 years making a sand castle. art or sand castle. Yeah. And it's all your experiences and all the things and all the little labels that you've yeah. come to and you're creating this masterwork sand castle. That sand castle the ego doesn't want to accept it's just sand. Like all the other sand. There's some specialness to it yeah. because of the effort you've put to it. You, you're you assigning value to this sand castle. Where the yogi comes along and says, well, this sand castle, it can't, it's not even, it can't even house you. Why are you putting so much effort into it's, that? Yeah. yeah you Rather, can't live there. You can't even live there. Like, what are you, <laughs> what are you doing? And, and, and a person is so resistant to just wiping it clean. And, I think as a yogi, you have to get to the place where, yeah, you can create your ego structure. You can make a nice sound. You can sound, consciously create it, And you it can too. consciously create it, too. And you can decide, oh, this is how I'm going to be in the world. But you should wipe the sand clean regularly. Yeah. You just, oh, that got a little ugly. Like, let's just, let's start to just we'll go back to, back down to the fundamental reality. And then we'll start again. Re Reassess, you know this persona that I have to use to be in the world around other people. Yeah. But ego is just like that. It it, it wants to be important. It wants what? Lava Puja Pratishta. Mm. So Labha means adoration, puja, worship, pratishta, fame. That that's a key what ego is searching for. And everybody's really happy to construct a beautiful ego and pamper yeah, it. And want it to be acknowledged. And they want it to be acknowledged and want that to be something that's heralded in time. And when actually, I think 
Akshay always talked about like real yogis. You don't even know they're yogis. They would just look like normal people. They would just seem so normal, so human, so regular that everyone would just yeah not really pay attention. There's no specialness. There's no specialness to any of us because we're all fundamentally the same thing. We're the same. Each of us is a tiny like holographic replica of the main structure that is being. Yeah. So there's nothing special about any single one of us and that's what's special about all of us. And at the same time, there's always going to be a unique experience for each individual. That's special. There's a contradiction. Yeah. There's nothing special about me, but I'm not experiencing what you're experiencing, so that's special. Yeah. In the same way. However, the thing that I understand a non-speciality is that your soup is the same as my soup. You're just doing a different thing with it. Yeah, that's unique. You're, you're making popsicles and I'm eating soup. Whatever, you like, however you want to dress it up, you're using your consciousness, you're using your mind, you're using your material elements and your senses and your the whole faculties of your being to manifest through your karmas, through your will, through your desire, through your action, what is going on around you now. And that's a, that's a what is happening to you now is a byproduct of what you've done before and what will happen in the later is a byproduct of both what you're doing now, which caused what you're doing what sorry, what you're doing before, which caused what you're doing now, which will cause what you're doing in the future. Yeah. So I I've done different things, so there's a difference in the way that structure looks. You've done different things, so there's a difference in the way, but it's actually the same stuff. Yeah. So where I was going with that is that you know, Mahakala time is already forcing everyone. He's pushing everyone along. In a sense, the beach comes up and washes away the sand. There's nothing you can do about mm. it. Mahakala brings you to the place where the soul can realize that accept that mm -hmm. and see the beauty of that yeah. and be in the flow of yeah. being okay completely it causes him no distress yeah i mean a surfer doesn't get he has no distress that the wave is gone he's having a great time every wave is new wave and the wave can be gone and it's and, and it's, you can miss a wave and you can miss a wave it's right so so there's no distress whereas the less uh developed experience is that oh crap oh no Oh, I don't want to let it grab, go. Grab it. I gotta Grasp just protect it. it. Let's build. How do we protect this? How do we save this as long as possible? Oh no, no, no! Death is coming. Oh no! Mm. It's so horrible. Mm. It's so terrible. What are we gonna do? Just oh, the, my family member. I think died. it's the only like, lie Guru ever tells. Right? You're so gonna these, die. You're gonna die. <laughs> so, so uh, that becomes the whole process in in in, in its entireties, like. You know, Shiva, Pita, and Mata, they, they're like helping you come Process to that place. Come to how the terms of accepting death. How do you be a yogi? How do you be a yogi? I mean, if, be a yogi? If, even, if even in Krishna's Leela, he makes a Leela where he has to experience that process, what do you think you're going to do? Every time, yeah. you have to learn how to deal with this. This is the, the cycle of birth and death, and as long as you're in it, you have to learn how to accept it. It's like... That is nirvana. Samsara is samarasa. This is the way you're looking at it. 
And I think that when you actually look at it through the lens of Krishna consciousness, you can actually see a world in which you can exist in, even though it's samsara. Now it's Krishnera samsara, mm. right? And you can be in that cycle of time without there being so much suffering attached to that, so much rejection of that. It's just, you're in life. You're with Krishna. Haribo. Yeah. And... I think there's always that, that aspect of people who they want more than what it is. The simplicity of life as it is, people always want more. And that's what ego is doing. So everyone has free will to choose. And you have to let everyone come to these places on their own accord at their own time. And, you know, basically though, if you're doing your sadhana, people around will also be doing their sadhana. And if you're closer, they're getting closer, your mandala's doing your thing and and gradually gradually you know the sangha will reflect the sadhaka yeah completely so to summarize to summarize well handle your spiritual experiences with humility yes and non-grasping It'll make it a lot easier. Don't grasp at it. Don't try to like recollect it, you know, in perfect clarity. You won't ever be able to. Just let it go. Like keeping that knowing in your heart that like that great being is there. Mm. It's a fact. It's a fact. It's like, okay, well now... If you know somebody who's going through a spiritual experience or a spiritual awakening or what they think is a spiritual awakening and you're uncomfortable, or you're afraid of what they're going through, I would say one of the most important things you can do is just allow them to talk through it without trying to correct it. Not feeding it per se, but definitely understanding that like a top is wound up, they need to let that out and express they, like a top, will slowly, slowly find the equilibrium and come to. But what makes them go really crazy is when their whole friends and family and associates, they call them, they say, oh, you're, you're psychotic or oh, you're bipolar. Now, they give you a label. They give you some, this is what you are now. And that's not necessarily what actually is going on. So labeling a person isn't helpful. Okay. What if... I, even if they did have a thing, I would say it's unhelpful. I, 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 I don't think that modern psychiatry or psychology is anywhere at a place of uh, adept understanding of mental health. It's, it's a baby science that has that is ignoring 2,000 years of genuine research into these things when it comes to Buddhism and shamanism like thousands of years of real understanding the mind and then we have psychology and its labels that came out like doesn't explain so much stuff and it doesn't incorporate the actual existence of subtle entities the actual existence of these states of consciousness they they there are definitely some physiological things that can hamper our cognitive functioning 
but as a general tool for understanding oneself and the mind, there's a reason why if you read Jung, he's so different than all the others. Mm. Jung was like, he had things. This is all ideas. Yeah. This is people's ideas of the mind. Yeah. And then and it's not helpful. And the labels don't work either. Especially some of the labels are so vague. So... That's the whole point with them. They they help people be able to dispense medication. That's what those labels are for. Right. What if some people have benefited from the medication? What if some people's lives become... I don't know how to answer that because I don't know if any... Like, I, I bet you lots of people would experience benefits, per se, from taking those medications if that was what they were looking for. And then you ask other people on medications that are like, this thing is killing me, or that thing is killing sure. me. It's like, yeah, somebody gets some success with the medication, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's caught curing anything or fixing the actual reason why the mind is in that tailspin. It, it takes more time. It's going to take more time. And this is why psychedelics are actually becoming the modern new wave of psychiatric care. Because what actually helps the mind is recognition, clarity, understanding, yeah, not confusion, and drugs. Like pharmaceutical drugs. Or any drug. None, no drug is actually a fixer of any kind. It's recognition. It's understanding that helps. It's like why... People who have interacted with the same chemicals, not everybody gets the same result. They're not all looking for the same thing or trying to understand the same thing, so they don't necessarily come to a place of understanding the particular issue actually causing their mental affliction. Hmm. But from a yogic perspective, physical isn't the cause of mind. Mind is the cause of physical. Yeah. So it's not, it's not going to work. Um, to wrap up yeah you want to wrap up okay well well I think if anybody has any questions or comments and would like to discuss a particular angle or vision of this conversation feel free to say something on uh, you know and we can have another conversation yeah we're trying to come on every Saturday um, Saturday evening same time ish so if you leave us questions for the next week We'll answer them there. And wishing you all the best. Yep. Uh, if you haven't already, make sure you like this video and share it. That's probably the best way you can support us. Um, you can support Tiny Temple and the projects that we're trying to do. Um, yeah, do that by liking and sharing content that we post so that more people can see it. And what a treat. Oh, I miss you. It's been a long time, Aunt Rita. Thank you. Okay, without further ado. Thank yep. you, Nimai. Love no worries. You. Thank you, guys. Johnny Tai.